Hello and welcome to Adaptivist Live Team Titans. These are the stories of people with unique perspectives on work itself, how they define or perhaps break processes, build software and lead teams. I'm your host, Ryan Spilkin, and joining me today as co-host is Senior Marketing Manager for ScriptRunner for Jira, Jess Thompson. Jess, thank you so much for joining us today. This is the most fun I have had all week and it's only Monday. I don't know if that's good or not, but I'll take it as a compliment. Jess is, um, does some excellent work uh, on the Script Runner for Jira line, and we get to work together quite a bit on some champion hours and other things. So it's a real pleasure getting you in front of the microphone to speak with our guest today, who is joining us from Payback, and that is Leonard von Nebelschutz. Leonard, thank you so much for joining us on Team Titans. Yeah, thank you for having me. So Leonard, your story is is super interesting. You handle the collaboration tools for Payback, who is a large German for our American listeners or perhaps UK listeners, Payback's like would you analogous to Groupon, would you say? Yeah, so what we do is we ha have a loyalty partner program so people can go to the grocery and shop there, get some loyalty points. Um, get their rewards, and are just rewarded for um, every shopping experience they, they have. Oh, all right. Payback grew quickly, but your team has a bit of an interesting story. So what brought you to your current role? So uh, about my current role, um, should I start with um, where I came from before? Tell us, tell us the story, sir. Yes. So um, I have always been good at the computer, um, starting with about, I think, six years old. Um, I had my own computer and I was starting to, to dive into it. And um, yeah, but after school, um, I left it with um, some pretty bad school reports. And I had the chance in, in Wiesbaden um, at the company called Sabbath Media, the managing director there, he said, okay, just let's forget about your school reports for now. Um, just tell me what you're able to do um, and show me. And I, I showed him and he said, okay, let's um, just have your apprenticeship here and you're going to go into the, um, in, this, in this topic. And for me, it was, of course, quite good because this was um, the thing that I always wanted. Um, and he gave me an, um, just very good head start in there. And afterwards, um, or being there um, at Cyber Media as a Atlassian Platinum, Platinum partner as well. And um, in there, I had the chance to pretty soon also consult um, companies and go into workshops. And still being in my apprenticeship, I really had the chance to travel um, abroad and to really just get known to the companies and to their needs. And in 2017, after my apprenticeship, two years after my apprenticeship has ended, I have been called by a recruiter that asked me if I would like to do this for a company. And I said, yes, because I have always been in projects and I really help people to, to start their systems, to start their experience. And I really got some good feedback on this, um, but I most of the times I weren't able to to have this on the long term view. I, I've been there, I got some good feedback, and yeah, this is running um, quite fine. And um, this was my chance in 2017 then to really have this on the long term to support a company um, not only for one day, but um, I said, okay, let's um, see how I can max this out. 
Nice. So that got you to where you are now. But how many users do you support at Payback? Yeah, so um, at first um, we started with um, the systems were only there for developers. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think this, um, I don't really know the number, but of course, yeah, it was a lower number. And we are now, uh, I think it's about 200, 300 users, something like this. And we now grew to 1,000 users in Bitbucket and 2,000 users, um, user license in Confluence. Same for Jira, um, for ITSM, for the Jira service management, we have 500 users and 250 agents. And yeah, so um, it all grew because it could, because we um, saw the, the chance to not only support the development um, sections um, at Payback, but also to have um, to reach out to the broader organization. And my thing is always, uh, I really like to see that people are benefiting, benefiting from the stuff that we are doing. Um, yeah, and those, so I thought, okay, let's just scale this into the system, into the into the company. Um, yeah. So in terms of supporting, obviously, all of these users and these very varied requirements, which we'll get into in a little bit, is this just you? Do you have a team? Could you talk about that a little bit? Yes. Yes, of course. So. On one side, it's me. I get into uh, gotten to to Pavic as an um, internal consultant, and now I'm a specialist for automation uh, for automation and collaboration management. And yeah, I'm there as a full time employee. But it's not only me. Um, I also have two very yeah good, um, very um, technically skilled. Also, I just we have we have fun. I have two two colleagues that are there part time. So one of them is there sixteen hours a week. And the other is 32 hours a week. So we are three because I always say it's not about the hours that you're in there. It's about the value that you deliver. It's kind of like two and a half men then. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> or three men and a baby. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, so that is a small amount of hours to support a whole lot of people. How do you make that work? So um, mainly what um, you're, you're definitely right. It's um, it's little for, for what we um, deliver or what we, um, what we see to deliver. And um, what, how we do this is um, first, when I got there, I said, okay, we have to scale um, not only the system into the company, but we, as uh, the tiny team that we are, we have to um, scale our efforts as well. So um, I searched for people that um, take owner part ownership in our applications as well. And they are serving as our ambassadors. And this is really helpful because then we um, can tell them how the system works, um, get them the deeper knowledge at least from what we are able to do, how things work and the, um, at the architecture level, not into deep, but to get a basic understanding for them. And they then talk to our internal customers and um, gather the requirements and then discuss with us. So we are scaling on the organizational level here as well. And this is how we get into this, how we approach this. This kind of brings us quite neatly onto the idea of context cubes. Would you like to tell us about those? Yes. So basically, um, 
I um, was confronted in the, in, at first hand with projects that on one side, I really tried um, to have, let's say, one workflow for every project. And this didn't really work as uh, from a technical perspective. Um, yeah, this could have been worked, but not for the people that are really uh, working with the system. And I always say that if the people um, can work as they want to, then um, we all win. And um, what I do there is to say I um, I have context cubes. I call them context cubes because basically um, they are um, either projects in Bitbucket, projects in Jira, or spaces in, in Confluence. And what we do there is we put our framework on them. And with this framework, we have permissions. Um, we have conventions in these permissions. So was always in the front and in, in first, and there were always the discussion about okay, we need um, this raw, this raw, this permission, and this permission, and this, and this, and this. And I said, okay, how could we cut this on a really, really basic level? And um, then we found that we um, were able to cut this into admin, read, write, and read. So this is from the per permission perspective. This is um, one part of the context cube. And um, another thing that um, definitely um, now is a part of it is the scripts that come with script runner or we deliver them in, in script runner. We have uh, one project, this is ATL in Bitbucket. And in there we have some um, our own script library with some functions and so on. And every context cube has their own uh, folder structure. And in this folder structure, people can on the one side um, directly see what's going on in there. And on the other side, others that want to learn from it, how they are doing their stuff can take out um, ideas from this as well. Uh, of course, they're documented in inline and so on and in and markdowns. Um, this is part of it. And the other, uh, the, the most important part from my perspective is, as, as, as always, from my perspective, people are the most important part here, um, the context cube owners. So um, first, we had people that said, okay, um, they are assigned some, some tasks, um, they're assigned to a project admin role, but they didn't really feel the ownership of it. Yeah, I have to do this. Maybe I have to um, have to do um, some components in here. I have to manage the versions, but it's not. I don't really know. Um, maybe you can talk to other people, and maybe we can help you together. But I said, okay, no. I, what I really want to do is that you feel the ownership. How can we do this in a way that you don't feel a special burden or something like this, but um, you feel the benefit from the ownership? And the benefit from the ownership comes with um, the, the freedom, the freedom of design, the freedom of configuration, um, the freedom of permission granting. They're, the context cube owners, they themselves um, can manage their permissions um, in a self-service portal, um, which my team lead developed. And with this, yeah, they are able to manage permissions and they are able to request configurations. So... When their internal customers or the people that are working with this context cube, if they want special configurations, they have to approach them. It's not on us. They have to approach them and then they talk to us. And this gives them the, the power to say, okay, this is mine. This is my context cube and you can have fun with me in here. We can work in here. And um, we designed this to what really um, fits our need. And I think um, back then the name came from the Rubik's Cube because I, I said, um, this is a um, common framework, but with the Rubik's Cube, you can have your own pattern. 
And this is exactly what you hear as well. So I have to wonder, Leonard, are the context cubes fairly analogous to the company's overall structure? Would you say that you have context cube owners in every major business unit that that come to you as those owners of the software? Mm, in For us, it's not the organizational departments. Um, more it's about um, the people that are working together. And people that are working together for us, um, so we learn from them, from how the people um, like to work, how they need to work. And then they can have their own context cube. Um, and for me personally, and for us as a team, it doesn't matter too much um, how it's structured on an organizational level, but it's um, more on the value, um, what the people need. If they say, okay, now we don't need this context cube anymore, we can merge them together, fine, from our perspective. Um, as soon as you max out the value from working with these systems. Is this answering your, your question? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really cool that um, the context cube is designed to be cross-functional, yes. but that means that you're going to have some people solving problems that other people are having. How do you end up connecting those solutions from one context cube across to another? Yes. So what we do is on the one side, on the technical side, we have this, um, I'd say this project where we have in Bitbucket, where we, um, for every application, there's a repository. Um, we um, pull as, as soon as there is a change. So as soon as we deliver new scripts in there, we pull them to the server. And from them, um, from there, they are accessed by script owners. So um, as soon as there is a new commit, script owner can work with these changes. And in the script library, um, we have a structure and people can have a look into it. But it's what's more important, I think, is that, yeah, of course, we have our blog posts as well, and the blog posts um, give notifications in our main channel. But we encourage the people to help each other and to get to connected to each other. So every time people approach me or approach our colleagues, they say, oh, thank you very much for helping me. And we say, okay, um, you don't really have to thank us. What you can do instead is help you next. So um, we encourage the people. We don't um, have strict um, enforcements, let's say, to meet once a week. Um, we meet once a week and have our um, discussions. Um, they can do this if they feel um, that it's helping them and we advise them to, to do something like this. Um, but we just more encourage them and tell them they are working with each other. They um, These context cubes are um, next to you. And um, for, ex for example, the owner of this context cube has done this. The owner of this context cube has done this. And um, get together, talk about this. And um, if you need our help, definitely will be there. I will join your discussion. And as much as you can do yourself, feel free, of course, to do so. And then we'll talk about the technical details. So this is how we get them together. We basically encourage them. And um, luckily, the people are really willing to help each other and to get connected to each other. So basically what you're, you've almost ended up creating is like a micro community of context cube owners and trying to encourage them to speak to each other and see what's possible, what's been done before. Like that's, that's a very interesting approach. I said that um, when I have seen this instance at first, um, what came to my mind is 
this is a complex adaptive, uh, this could be a complex adaptive system. It's, uh, or it, at least it was a complex system. Um, now we could say, okay, let's um, do a complex adaptive system. Nowadays is a, it's an adaptive modular system. So um, we, um, with the framework we put on there, uh, on this, we removed much of the complexity that was in there. And um, with the encouragement of people that they, I think they really had to see that they are able to do something, that they don't have to wait for um, someone to, to get into this, um, but they can really do something about it. And this helped to get them together and to, um, for not, not really a, re a revolution, but some kind of, um, yeah, the, it's, it's really good to see um, what people are able to do um, if you tell them that you trust them. Um, in terms of, you mentioned uh, giving people kind of access to your own internal script library. How does how does that process work? It's obviously something that's of big professional interest to me as a script runner background. I don't know if this answers your question. I hope so. Um, at first, we had some um, we had some extensions that were doing automation stuff in in our system. Um, most of them were mostly graphically. I said, okay, we can't really give each and everyone access to the um, graphical user interface admin side. But what we, what we can do instead is we can place our scripts there, and then we can source them out into our script route um, and into repositories. And from there, um, people know, um, some people at least, already know how to read um, Groovy scripts and how to write them as well. Um, people are already also modifying our scripts and, um, and giving us pull requests that we can then approve. And then they, with this, they see um, how the system works. They get a better understanding of, of stuff. And if sometimes, of course, we have some graphical user interface, some mix up between um, graphical user interface and our scripts, um, because sometimes you have to do something like this um, to, for example, um, have a pre-built um, email stuff. This, um, but for this, we um, have our readme markdowns, and in there we write um, how this is configured, and then they can, uh, can get an understanding on this as well. And we tell our people, uh, we tell our internal customers or the developers um, that are working with us. This is your. This is our project. You can get the permissions in here, and of course, you can also um, create as many branches as you as you want. Because we restricted uh, the master branch and the staging branch and the dev branch, and aside from this, um, we don't um, really care what the people are doing. They can feel free to do um, the stuff that they they want to, and. To be honest, they yeah. Sometimes they create branches if they um, re really have some good um, feature requests for us or um, some features that they want to see in there. Sometimes we have to um, work with them, modify the stuff. But we give the people the free the freedom to to create branches and so on, um, and they just use it as um, we hope to. Leonard, the thing that really strikes me is that you seek mainly to empower people. Yes. Um, on one hand, that's, you know, to be a little cheeky, that's like a great way of putting off work for yourself, you know? I'm teasing, of course, but, but it's, but what is it that you, that drives you 
to build up your users and to give them so much? What what is it that what drives your thinking behind? That? I've seen that I got empowered by the managing director of the company that first hired me in 2012, back in 2012. And with this, I got into a journey um, that, yeah, in the end got me here and got me into a job that I really, really love. And um, so with this, um, and I've, I've uh, this continued at Payback where my team lead now um, said, okay, um, what do you need? Um, how can I empower you? And um, this, I said, okay, um, for me, it worked this fine to have um, people that believe in me that I said, okay, I believe in people now. I, I will um, try my best to just empower them to see what um, comes out of this um, because together you can form something that you wouldn't ever be able to do yourself. And this is really amazing to see. I really like that. Nice. Do you find that spilling out into your normal life, your personal life as well? <laughs> yes. Um, so... I have some 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 hobbies and in there um when I um some so my um specialty for example I, I would say is um I really like like to dive deep into topics. Um and sometimes I have topics where I really um cling into where I really dive deep into. Um and then I support people on this. And what's interesting is I support people on this and to get a better understanding on this, to empower people with this stuff. And um, on the other side, this gets reflected, definitely. So um, I'm from, I myself, I'm really bad at, um, um, I don't know how to, to, to say this, at um, and doing stuff in Handwerk, um, hammer and nail and so on with these kind of stuff. Um, I'm really bad at this, um, but the people that I support in other topics, they, they really um, like to support me on this. And with this, I got empowered on this as well. So um, what I in the last years, what I always try to form is some circles of, um, of empowering. And uh, to see that people are starting to empower the others, yeah, this um, one thing I, I can't really um, describe how how much I really like to see this. Wonderful. It's like a very beautiful thing to uh, to have set in motion. <laughs> this is, for me, it's really um, an emotional thing to, yeah. So what is the next project that you are excited about? Yeah, so my next project is, so I have been, my last project was on um, replacing our ITSM solution um, with so something that was pretty static, something that nobody liked to work with, um, was something that is so dynamic that we can just um, enhance it always and um, to make it better all the time. Um, and I've been asked, when is this done? And I said, oh, um, <laughs> yeah, so um, you can now consider this done, right? Yeah, yeah, I know, I consider this done. I said, okay, we are now at about 95%. And we now get the next requirements from people because we learn how the people like to work with the system. And then we fall back to 85%. And then we <laughs> get back to 100%. Maybe we won't ever reach the 100%. Um, but the 95, 96, 97, and then we are falling back to 85 because we learned that people um, are, yeah, 
needs stuff in in a um, in another way. And my um, really my big project, my big goal, um, I'd rather say, is the three pillars of expansion, adaption, and optimization. So, and this is. Um, as well, a circle, there's always, um, I, st I started the circle and I really love that it's going on and on and on, um, expansion, adaption, optimization all the time. And I really love it. Yeah, it just lines up perfectly with the sort of agile philosophy without using too much, without getting too caught up in itself. So iterations, right? Just just revisiting. It's not done. Yes, it's, it's working. Exactly. If, you know, obviously all of this started um, with kind of bottlenecking of delivery, if you had someone approach you and say, look, I'm having this real headache with delivery bottleneck, what would be, what would be the first thing that you would suggest they do? So the first thing that I suggest people to do is to, um, to involve other people, to um, get them better known to the not really to the insights, but to how do the system work and to empower them, to give them, to give them an understanding of what the systems are able to do. And I think the biggest part really of the time that you need to, to form the system of your needs is the discussion with your, with your internal customers. And you don't have to do all the stuff yourself. You can empower other people to gather the requirements for you. And then you can work with them on the low-hanging fruits first. So what serves you most? You see, I have um, 40 hours a week. And now it's up to you to decide what gets the biggest, the highest priority. And this is aligned with the other people as well. And I will... Um, have a transparency of what I, what I do and you it's up to you to decide what gets priority and then you for me um, the experience is that people will just understand and um, help you um, if anyone's interested in reading more about um, the the payback approach to this we do have a case study on the website so we'll drop a link for that in the transcript of the podcast well Jess Thompson thank you so much for joining me today as co-host and Leonard von Nebelschutz Thank you so much. The best of luck to all of your efforts at, at Payback and whatever you choose to do in your future. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Leonard. Thank you so much for joining us on Team Titans today. And listeners, thank you for listening so much. Be sure to connect with us on social at Adaptivist and let us know what you think of the show. And that's it for this episode of Team Titans. Thanks, everyone.